We've read some scripture verses that talk about suffering being God's will. Does God want us to suffer? Well, honestly, the question is too complicated to be answered with a simple yes or no. Sometimes we suffer because others make bad choices and we are the innocent victims of their actions. Ask the Ukrainians about that. Sometimes we suffer as a consequence of purely accidental things. We're in the wrong place at the wrong time. No one is at fault. It just happened. And yet, we suffer as a result. Sometimes, we bring suffering upon ourselves through bad choices that we make or risks that we take. There are different kinds of suffering aren't there? Sometimes we suffer to achieve a greater good. There's a purpose to our suffering. When our son Jordan was four years old, he had to have his tonsils removed. Before he was admitted to the hospital for the surgery, a blood test was required and I dutifully took him to the hospital lab where the procedure took place. <clears throat> he was not prepared for a needle to be stuck in his arm as a four-year-old. And I had talked it over with Connie and we, did, we had decided not to say anything about it beforehand because we didn't want to add to his anxiety. But there in that lab, when the nurse approached him with a needle, I will never, until the moment I close my eyes in death, I will never forget how he looked at me. The tears in his eyes, the expression on his face, all said to me, you have betrayed me. <laughs> Just so, when I ask whether it is God's will that we suffer, we need to find out more about what we mean. It is impossible for us to comprehend the entirety of God's nature, nor can we fully understand his purposes. But we do know that without question, God loves us completely and eternally. He never wants to see us in pain merely to watch us cry. To the contrary, our tears hurt him as much as they hurt us. Consider Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. His soul was in agony and he prayed, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. 
Can you imagine God's own feelings? Jesus concluded the prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was suffering, and it was God's will. Something monumental would come as a result, of course. In his death, he would take upon himself the sins of humanity and pay the awful penalty and bear the terrible consequence of our disobedience that might Jesus understood that his suffering was for a purpose. And he said to his followers that we would suffer also. His words recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. God has a purpose in our suffering, when our suffering is in keeping with Christ's purposes, Christ's cause, or Christ's church. Paul understood this. Repeatedly, he refers to his own suffering, and always he links it to the suffering of Christ or to the strengthening of the church. For example, to the church in Colossae, he wrote, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. He believes that his suffering is God's will because his suffering ultimately will strengthen the church. When the suffering is because of his faith. In the Philippians passage, which we read earlier, Paul says that in a sense, when we suffer for Christ, we enter into Christ's own suffering. But he also believes that, that suffering produces within the sufferer some kind of benefit to himself. Not only is he eager to suffer, which sounds strange to our ears, but he says not only that, rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Peter agreed. Therefore, he says, let those suffering in accordance with God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator 
while continuing to do good. With respect to our suffering, we are often so much like a four-year-old. We can't understand why God is letting this happen to us. Sometimes we feel betrayed. But Peter says that trusting our trustworthy creator is our response to suffering. We may not understand what's going on, but trust our faithful creator and continue to do good, he says. He is writing, of course, to Christ followers in his day who were misunderstood and abused and persecuted. But what about in our time? Between October the 1st of 2021 and a year later, September 30th, 2022, in that year, 5,661 documented cases of Christians being killed simply because they were Christians is reported. Each year, a non-denominational organization called Open Doors, begun in 1955 by a man named simply Brother Andrew, some of you probably recognize his name as an author. Those of you who do not, when you get home, get online to Wikipedia and look up Brother Andrew and you'll find out about a man you really should know about. But this organization monitors persecution on a global scale in what it calls the World Watch List. They report more than 5,200 people, Christians, were abducted. 2,661 churches were attacked and damaged or destroyed. 125,000 people, Christians, were forced to leave their homes or go into hiding. And 14,997 Christians became religious refugees forced to leave the countries of their birth. The watch list also notes that men are persecuted most often through physical pain or violence while Christian women are persecuted most often through sexual attacks designed to shame them or their Christian families. Through missionary efforts in the last two centuries, Nigeria has a Christian majority. Yet, in spite of that, extremist Muslims 
have taken control of much of the country and it is one of the most severe places where Christians are persecuted and in that country women are taken hostage and made slaves for the purpose of bearing the next generation of Taliban fighters. Suffering. There is suffering that we don't know anything about. There is suffering, in fact, that is so great in some parts of the world that I hesitate to call whatever persecution we endure suffering. Yet 1800 years ago, Tertullian wrote, we Christians multiply whenever we are mown down by unbelievers. The blood of Christians is seed. 200 years later, St. Jerome wrote, the Church of Christ has been founded by shedding its own blood, not that of others, by enduring outrage, not inflicting it. Persecutions have made it grow and martyrdoms have crowned it. Paul says that living a godly life invites suffering and persecution by unbelievers. He says, now you observe my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that have happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Much more could and perhaps should be said, but I am aware that you are not probably willing to spend all afternoon listening to a sermon. Connie counted the pages as they were being printed and said, it sounds like a lot of pages to me. So I will hasten to bring this to a conclusion, not immediately, but we're working toward a conclusion. <laughs> we learn that God has a purpose in suffering when that purpose is redemptive, when there is a greater purpose behind our suffering, God may will it. 
that a greater good be achieved. But what about all that other suffering? The suffering that seems to have no purpose whatsoever. What about that? It would appear that much or perhaps most suffering in this crazy, broken, fallen world of ours has an unholy source. When I was in seminary, I asked a New Testament professor about the devil, and he replied, since there's a Holy Spirit, I would assume that the scripture is exactly right in talking about an unholy spirit or spirits. Paul called this unholy spirit the prince of this world. Calvin Miller, in his Singer trilogy, refers to him simply as world hater. And unlike God, who hurts when we hurt, this unholy world hater takes delight in causing pain, creating hurt, and bringing brokenness to the world. And it is, of course, in this broken, fallen world that we live. I've been told by those who visited there of a golf course in India with an unusual problem. The course was laid out in an area inhabited by hundreds of curious little monkeys that scamper onto the fairways thinking the little white ball might be good to eat. Consequently, they collect the ball, the balls, and make off with them Usually, when they discover they can't eat it, they drop it, sometimes to the golfer's benefit. <laughs> but most often, not. The course managers tried putting up a high fence around the golf course, but we're talking about monkeys. They just climbed the fence. Next. They tried capturing them and transporting them out of the area. But other little monkeys just took their places. Finally, they created a rule particular to that course and posted signs saying, play the ball where the monkey drops it. We observe then that the prince of this world, the world hater, monkeys around with our lives. He is full of monkey business and delights in throwing monkey wrenches into the plans God has for us. We cannot fully escape his evil escapades. We fall victim to his antics and we suffer the consequences. And sometimes we are left with no choice in life 
but to play the ball where the monkey drops it. But this we know, the evil one may be the prince of this world, but Christ has overcome the world. There's another world coming where that satanic little monkey is not allowed and his monkey business is a thing of the past. In conclusion, and I mean it this time, two things to remember. The Holy Spirit is within us and is with us in our suffering. The Holy Spirit, God, suffers with us. And secondly, remember that God is more powerful than the world hater. And he can take our sufferings, whatever their source, and however severe, and make something good come from them. Hear these words from St. Paul, this time to the Corinthian church, but listen to them as though he had addressed them to you personally. So we do not lose heart. Though our out, outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension and comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal.